You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome, awesome edition of the Best Practices Show. My name is Kirk Barrett, where I have the distinct pleasure of learning from the best of the best and sharing those tips with you so you can create a better practice, a better life. You can count on that. So keep showing up. And today I have one of my favorite of all time, Dr. Jeff Rouse. And we get underneath his skin. He's an amazing educator, an amazing speaker. And today he shares his three very biggest pet peeves in all of dentistry. It's awesome. And then he has a fourth one that's kind of outside of dentistry that you got to wait for. It's awesome. So hope you guys enjoy the episode. We'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. Gosh, I'm so pumped you're here. You know, I'm giddy because I get to hang around with some really cool people, some of my heroes in dentistry, and you have these same heroes like Dr. Jeff Rouse. And I was just doing a little preclinical pre-show with him. And he's like, you know what really drives me crazy? I'm like, what, Jeff? Just tell me. And he, he let it fly. So today we're going to be talking about some pet peeves that the, the Dr. Jeff Rouse from Spear Education has. And we're going to dispel some of these myths and talk about why. It's going to be a brilliant episode. So sit back tight and uh, enjoy this. But Jeff, thanks for being on, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. I miss you. Actually, there's one of my pet peeves that no one knows I'm in private practice. They think I'm at Spear all the time. So, Yeah, you've reached legendary status. You're at Spear all the time. You know, there's a lot. Don't ever. We're going to debunk. Don't ever do any dentistry. You don't do any dentistry. You're just the airway expert. You're not even really a dentist. And uh, we're going to dispel all of those here in this show. But uh, let's start here. Who is? So I got a lot of young listeners, a lot of dental students. Who's Dr. Jeff Rouse, if I've never heard of you? So I am a private practicing prosthodontist um, down in San Antonio, Texas. I was actually a family dentist for about 14 years before I went back into pros. So I've had the experience of being the general dentist. Um, and I, um, I run an interesting practice because everyone thinks of it as the airway, an airway based practice, but it's just a regular, uh, sort of a high end restorative practice with an associate, um, couple of hygienists, 
uh, a myofunctional therapist in the office and I have my own lab technician that does a bunch of work um, for me in the office. So just a, a guy that practices regular dentistry, but also teaches on the side. So my other full-time job is that I teach out at Spear Education and um, do study clubs and such, but Spear Education for the most part. Yeah. And if you've never seen Jeff speak, I'm just going to say this, like it's legendary. I've been at the bar with you. I tell the story all the time, like so many nights. And then like the next morning, I'm like, he's spot on. Like he's magical. Like you got, you know, you're great at telling stories, making a point and it's a transformational experience. So I'm just going to encourage you guys. If you've never seen Jeff speak, you gotta go. And now he's like Elvis. He's in Las Vegas at Spear. No, not Spear, like not Las Vegas, but in Scottsdale. So you're kind of hunkered down. If you want to see the man, you got to go there. But uh, I want to talk about this. And uh, we're, we're, we're going to go eventually to the path like your practice is growing faster than ever. And then people always say, well, it's Jeff Rouse. And you're doing that like one of your number one pet peeves. And I'm just going to speak for you. And then you can let it is when you're in the back of the classroom at Spear and Frank goes, or you go, or Greg goes, and they say something like, well, maybe that works in their practice, but not in mine. It just gets underneath your skin. Can you tell us why? Yeah. You know, I guess there was a couple of reasons um, that it bugs me. And the first one, to be honest with you, is it never, it never, I never said that. Um, Whenever I saw Frank lecture or anybody lecture, I would always think I want to do that. You know, that's cool. I want to be able to treat that. And in fact, I'll I'll even go back farther. 1995, uh, I saw John Coyce lecture and I said, I want to do that. I can't do that right now. I'm going to figure out how to do that. So for me, I never ever said I couldn't do those things because they weren't in my world. I just changed my world and it started with me. I changed who I was and my confidence and competence to do the case. And so it's such a defeatist attitude, but it, and lazy attitude to say not in my, those case patients aren't in my world. Because you're basically saying, like, that's the easy way out. It's not, I'm going to go how to learn how to do it. I'm going to go find those patients. I'm going to figure out how to do that because it is how the patient ought to be treated correctly. It's just, I'll just slough this off. So that part bugs me in that I think it's the easy way. I think it's a simple way. I think it's, and I don't think it's best for the patients. And I honestly don't think it's best for the dentist because, you know, if you talk to dentists and they say they're burning out, it's because they're not challenged. They're not getting any better. And if you don't get any better, yeah, I understand why you're burned out. I wouldn't want to do the same junk every day. Right. And you got to be getting better. You got to be putting some effort into this. You got to have something that's going to drive you to, to the next year and the next 10 years. And, and so for me, I'm more excited today than I've ever been to do dentistry. I love it. I love it right now more than at any other point in time. And my, I've been out 34 years. Yeah. Why? So, Why do you love it so much? I know you pointed to it, but what's different now for you specifically? 
because I'm, I'm, I keep getting better at what I, what I'm doing. Right. I'm better. I'm, I got to work with Greg Kenzer for two years that challenged me to be better because I saw him and his hand skills were better than mine. And I said, by God, I'm going to be better than that. And I keep getting challenged by the people I'm around every day at Spear uh, when I'm lecturing to be better than what I am. But more importantly, um, I'm better at treatment planning now than I've ever been. And so I, I, with the addition of airway, into my thought process, that whole global diagnostic system that Bill and I came up with years ago, Bill Robbins, um, it's expanded way beyond what we would ever envision being able to do. And so, man, the treatment plans are just so uh, challenging intellectually that it just stimulates me to get up and get going every day. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just better technically and I'm better intellectually than I've ever been. Yeah. So, to, to, to take the easy route and just say, not in my practice, I, that drives me crazy. But the bigger part is that it finally dawned on me because I heard it, I heard it one too many times. And I was just like, are you kidding me? And I got to thinking about it and I came back and looked at my practice. And then I talked to Greg and I talked to a bunch of other people that see these types of cases, Greg Kenzer. Um, and it was like, all right, keep track for a while of the people that you end up doing bigger cases on and tell me like how they got to your practice. And and the vast majority of people were not referred directly for us to see them. They were just part of the practice. So it wasn't, hey, Jeff, do this case, uh, an orthodontist, a periodontist, an oral surgeon sending me something, do this. That wasn't the case. It was a person coming into the practice. They call up for a new patient experience in the practice. And hopefully my front desk does a good job of filtering them to figure out that there might be a, something that I could take a look at first rather than just throwing them in hygiene. Because once they get in hygiene, harder to get them back out for an examination. All right. So hopefully we start at the front desk by getting them filtered correctly to get to me for a comprehensive evaluation. But if we didn't, and they ended up in hygiene, that instead of me going in and doing a typical hygiene exam, which is, is anything broken, is anything diseased? I start looking at tooth positions, bites, wear, erosion, all the other things that are players that we have been reticent to discuss with our patients because we think that they're just going to think we're after their money. And instead we have a conversation with them and get them to come in for a more comprehensive evaluation. And once that's done, we present a, a plan for them. I did three of them the last couple of days. I have the patient back in, we yeah. look at photographs, we discuss what I see, we discuss a vision of what could be done in their mouth. I show them examples of other people that have chosen to do that kind of treatment with me. And then they make a decision as to if they want to follow up with, with referrals to specialists, if it's something that interests them. And if so, then we direct them the right way. Yeah. When they're done with all that, they come back and we revisit. Now that you visited with everyone, this is the, this is the picture of what we want to do. Is that something that's interesting to you or you're interested in and we provide them fees and the whole deal, right? 
Now, when I went back through and looked at all those people that were doing very significant dental care on, you know what the common element, the almost always the common element was? What? They had been to a ton of other dentists and had been sitting in their hygiene program for years getting exams that said nothing's broken, nothing's diseased. We'll see you again in six months. Mm -hmm. So when you're walking out of the room and you say to your buddy, those patients are in their practice, not in mine. No, they were in your practice for years. You just didn't bother to either learn how to diagnose it correctly or get them out of the hygiene operatory and actually have a more comprehensive view. And so if you want to do this kind of dentistry, if that's something that seems like that would fulfill your career and make it more fun to come into the office, they're there. They are absolutely there. Now, are some practices going to have more of a target rich environment than other practices? Yeah, they're, I can't deny that, but they're in every practice. Um, it, it, and to be honest with you, my practice was not full of them when I made this in 1995, this decision that I was going to change um, and, and started going a different direction. I had a nice practice that I had purchased in 92, but it was a, it was a quadrant dentistry type of practice, um, which is great. But, it was gold inlays, onlays, and fillings was the bulk of the practice. Very rarely front teeth, very rarely rehabilitation dentistry. Very, I mean, we just didn't do any of that. It was fix what was broken type of practice. And he had, the guy had built a clientele that expected quality posterior dentistry. And I, I said, I'm doing it differently. And so I made a change. That patient base was not one that was, as I said, target rich, but I found it and we did it. And the more we did, the more, the better I got at it and the more we got. So man, it, yeah. Number one on my, on my list of things that aggravate me are taking the easy way out and just assuming that those people aren't in your practice because they're there. Yeah. Let me ask you about that. You know, I mean, it's pretty apparent in order for things to change, you first have to change, which is what you did. And you continue to evolve and change and you challenge the heck out of yourself. I've seen it firsthand. And the, the art of sticking to that journey, it creates this flywheel. So you're up 48%. Now we don't have to talk about the dollars, but like sticking to your guns, you know, getting getting your confidence going, challenging yourself. It pays this ultimate dividend further down the line where a lot of dentists are like, oh, I tried that and it didn't work. Like stick. So how did that work for you? And why is that working for you? Um, yeah. So my practice probably by the end of this year after COVID might be up as much as 60%. And part <laughs> part of it is that COVID made me not have get to go out and lecture as much. So I actually was able to so put time in, in the office. So that, I mean, uh, part of it is just, I put in more hours, uh, in the office. Um, but the other, the other part is, 
and, and an advantage to interdisciplinary dentistry is that you, um, it's like an annuity that you set up. Once you get the cases going, they come back. So when everyone else, all my other buddies were saying, I don't know how we're going to come off. You know, we've been out two months, three months, whatever it is. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to do. I was like, this is going to be great when I open up because I've got a backlog of stuff coming back from the periodontist, oral surgeon and orthodontist that's ready for me to treat. I mean, these, these people are just sitting there ready to be done. And I mean, that was easy. It just exploded at the end of COVID. And I, I was, I was way ahead of the year before at the end of COVID um, because I, I was there and I could get those cases done. Um, so the, the beauty, I think the beauty of doing interdisciplinary care is not only the challenging, the intellectual and stimulation and the ability to do really cool dentistry and the ability to get paid, you know, fee for service on those cases. Um, but the fact that you start this, this cycle and it takes a year or two to get it going. But once you get it going, it just keeps paying dividends because when it's a slow month, all of a sudden, you know, somebody gets out of ortho jail and boom, you're ready to do, a, you know, four veneers or 10 veneers or whatever, whatever's required or rehabilitation or an implant, a bunch of implants, whatever it happens to be. And when you get that wheel going of your patients coming in, going out and, and working around that way, a couple of neat things happen. One is you'll realize that you don't need that many people. Once again, got a guy in my study club, sees 40 to 60 new patients a month. It's like, wow, what, I mean, wow, like, what do you do? Well, you can't look for anything more than ones and twos, because if you take an hour out of his day to do a comprehensive exam, that, I mean, for him, he, it has an impact, right? Um, I mean, he's just cramming everything in and we'll double book here and we'll do that. And I was like, wow, one of the benefits of doing more comprehensive care is you need 10, maybe 12 new people a month. And the rest of the time you get to do dentistry and you're not having to go run crazy. So way less people are required in order to generate the same amount of money, if not more, um, by just doing different kinds of cases. It's so, it's so much easier in that regard. The other thing that happens when you get that wheel going is the people that you're funneling the cases to, the specialists, if you will maintain uh, communication with them, and that part of the communication is photography, if you'll photograph the case as you begin and as you finish and show them the work that you did after they were done, how beautiful the final case is, how much the patient enjoyed it, maybe even refer them back. Can you go over to Dr. Kruger's office? He loves to see his implants when they're done, making sure that everything's okay. 
can you go see Dr. Gibson, Dr. Norris? They, you know, they work so hard on your ortho. They love to see the final case or at the very minimum, send them photographs. What happens is over time, those people will get cases that need restorative dentists. And now you get these freebies every so often where they've already treatment planned it and they send it over and they're like, I mean, not treatment planned it like all your steps, but basically told them, Hey, you need to go over there and you need X number of things done. And when they come in, they already know, and they kind of know the cost. I mean, a lot of times they'll even go, Hey, I mean, they'll prep them. This is probably going to be more expensive than what you're, what you're used to or what you're thinking even in your head could be a high number, maybe worse than that, but it's worth it. You got to do it. It's the guy you got to see. Yeah. And man, those are just, those are just freebies. You get a couple of those, two or three of those a year. That's the easiest dentistry you do. World's a great place at that point. I love it. I love it. So So that's, I I guess, you know, what it really comes down to is when they're walking out of the room and saying, those aren't in my practice. It's like, they're talking about saying your baby's ugly. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, no, don't do that. Yeah. They're in there and they're fun and you ought to be doing them and come on. You know, it's like, I want everyone to, I want everyone to have the joy that I get out of doing this kind of dentistry. I want everyone to experience that. It is so much fun. It is absolutely the best way of doing dentistry in my opinion. And it's, and I just want everyone to experience it so badly that when I hear them giving up that easily, it just kills me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, as we get into pet peeve number two, you're going to see these are systemically linked. So pet peeve number two is the whole take one course and it'll all get better. So describe that one. Why does that drive you crazy? Um, it, uh, once again, you gotta, it, it, you gotta put in the effort to get the benefit. And no one course is going to do that Uh, in treatment planning, in treatment planning. All right. Um, Dentists love to do things and to work with things like I'm going to do. I actually just took Jason Smithson's uh, composite course out at Spear. And it was a great course. And it was cool because I I came home and I immediately put stuff into, into action. Right. So I went out, I took a course, I came home, it changed how I did certain things and to the better. It was good. And, uh, you could take a course in, um, I don't know, um, uh, some sort of software that you're going to use to plan implant placement. And you come home and you use the software and you, right. That's not treatment planning. Treatment planning requires you to take, to understand not only a breadth of information, but depth of that information and an introduction like facially generated treatment planning at Spear gives you a taste of what it has, what is required in order to get there but it has to be studied in more depth than that. There's no way. 1995 saw John Coyce went and heard Frank Spear lecture. Mm -hmm. 
if I had just gone, well, okay, I guess that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been silly. No, I had to hear, you know, Vince Kokich lecture. I had to hear, you know, lots of Dave Matthews on Perio. I had to go to, you know, travel all over the country to go to different courses to, and, and I found certain people that all kind of taught me the pieces um, that I needed to be able to synthesize that information. And then working with Bill Robbins, I, you know, all of those, his knowledge, my knowledge, all that kind of came together and, and I could start treatment planning at a higher level, but it took a few years. I mean, it was, yeah. it was a handful of years involved in that in order to get to where I started feeling comfortable with it, um, to where those like I said, those cases started coming around. And, and the biggest one is getting within a study club because now your little bit of knowledge of ortho and perio, you're, you're, with, you're sitting there with the specialist. Hey, I went to a course and I saw this and so-and-so said this and so-and-so said that. And then they can feed more into it because the restorative dentist's job is to be able to put together the blueprint for how we're going to do this case. And that includes every piece of it. We're going to do this, then we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And then when the specialist reads it, they read what their part of it is and go, nah, I think it would be better if that's what they ought to be doing. They, unfortunately today, we just check a box and go, please evaluate and send it out. And then they have to, they have, you know, periodontist, orthodontist, somebody has to come up with a plan. Yeah. And that ought to be the restorative dentist's responsibility. And so to think you're going to go to one course and have it actually, it actually did. I, I heard it the other day. Um, <laughs> and it's someone I'm really close to that took FG, took facially generated treatment planning. And she said, I said, you know, what we're doing, we're doing this other thing. And she said, well, I, I already took that course. I went, oh, so you, you got it, that one course, you got it all. She's like, well, no, like there, you don't yeah. need more. Yeah. So, um, to, yeah, to think that one, one course may teach you how to do a better composite. One course is not going to teach you how to be a better at doing interdisciplinary dentistry that requires continued work, continued learning. Um, and like I said, best thing to do is commit to learning it and then find a group, usually a study club, um, that has specialists in it that you can continue to evolve your ability to treatment plan. Right. And then you got to do it. You got to, you got to make the photographs and collect the data and, and present cases to that group. Yeah. That's actually, that's what a process residency is. It's all the process residency is. I just outline a process residency. It's awesome. It's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like saying, well, I took a golf lesson one time, you know, and I, I kind of get, no, a real professional is like, no, I'm going to go out there and, you know, practice it. And then I come back. And then when you, once you get into the mechanics, you can know when you're getting in the sweet spot, you can see it. And I know you're a big baseball fan, but like baseball players are amazing. Like we, I take my son to a pitching coach. He's like, listen, I'm going to tell you, you're going to go screw up. I need you to work on these things. And then we're going to rework them, you know, and you keep getting better hit it. You know, base major league baseball. They're like, they're constantly working on the craft of it. 
You know, they already know what to do. They've been doing it for years, thousands and thousands of hours. They have somebody else watching the mechanics all the time, right? Yep. Yeah, it's that, and, and it's funny you say that because I think that's one of the bigger issues in dentistry is that we don't have a coach watching us all the time right. and correcting us all the time because we tend to be loners and our practices are usually alone or um, if we are an associate, I was an associate in a practice for a while. But if we're an associate, we tend to not share, I guess, as much as we should. Um, and so I think being open to sharing, like I, just a second ago, uh, the associate here in the office was doing a case that is unfamiliar with implants and how, how to manage provisionals and such. And so we sat down and, and I trim some of it and they trim the other part. And, and, um, that's a quicker way to learn the lesson than doing it on your own and having it look like crap or fail or whatever. And then you have to go, okay, well next time I got to do this differently. And, 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 and then having to evolve that way. So being around a group and presenting that stuff. And so photography is really important for that. And the study club, it just don't, too many, like I ran a study club and people, we just had to drag people like next time you are going to show me a picture of something. I don't care if it's your dog, you know, you're going to put a picture up on the screen and talk about it. Yeah. Um, but you got to show your dentistry off. You got to say this, this one sucked. Let's, let's look at this one. And, uh, I had this problem on this one and these are the things I see and had, get some help. Study club environment is is a nicer approach than once again, a process residency where you get berated for messing yeah. up. So <laughs> I love study it. club, they're nice. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So pet peeve number three, watch this. We can only do this like a game show, you know, pet peeve number three, <laughs> Dr. Jeff Rouse. And uh, I wrote this down as we were doing our pre-show notes. Like, yeah, but I treat a lot of Delta patients that gets under your skin when people are out taking a course at Spear and yeah. they say that. Why? Why? Tell us why. Yeah. You know, um, it's because the, it, and it, it, it's a semantic issue, but it's the truth. The patient isn't a Delta patient. The patient's a patient. The patient has de- Delta insurance and they didn't go out and buy Delta insurance their employer bought dental Delta insurance. So the value is, and I'm using Delta as a generic term, not a specific. I mean, it just happens to be one of the bigger ones that I, right. I, I hear about, but it could be any insurance. Um, the, the, the person isn't a Delta person, meaning the values of the Delta dental insurance of having cheaper care or whatever it happens to be that may, that's may or may not be the values of the patient. And yet when they walk in you go, yeah, it's a Delta patient. Well, we kind of give up on them. It's like, yeah, I treat a bunch of Delta patients. And I'm like, okay, they're patients. They have needs, right? Yeah. But they're Delta patients. I'm like, Dude, that doesn't stop them from making a decision independent of Delta. There are all kinds of ways to work around that. And once again, Gary DeWood has done a nice job out at Spirit creating um, 
workarounds for that. And I know you, you talk to your people a lot about that, about how to get around that. Um, but if a patient wants care, they can get care. If they want, if they want what we have to offer, then they can do it. Absolutely. They can do it. And so the, yeah, assigning the value of the insurance company to the patient drives me crazy because it's not right. And they don't, they, they get, there's a bias when they walk in the door as to how you're going to go about treating them. And, um, I think you just, you just offer them, offer them the solution that, you you would recommend for yourself or your family and see where you go from there yeah just give them a chance give them a chance to say yes or no yeah and so yeah along those lines i'm just gonna play the 32 year old dentist listen jeff i've been to your course like i'm just getting started i'm 100 percent ppo give me some advice i got three decades of this like how do i get out of this how do i think better about this um so in our study club I had all different, I, I called it the Meritage Study Club. Meritage is blend. It's like wine, uh, California term. And so the reason we called it that is a blend of all kinds of different dentists. They were in all different ages and all different, um, you know, types of practice. Um, and so we worked through how we're going to deal with it in different situations. What we all agreed upon was that you could at least present or walk through all the steps, meaning we get them to come in for a comprehensive examination. During the comprehensive examination, we make photographs, we gather data so that we can then present them a tour of their mouth that is comprehensive in nature and provide them the ability to seek more complex care, right? We all agreed we could do that on one person a month, one person. So as to, you know, the course you took, that one course you took, that you actually keep doing it. You keep, you don't let it just go off and and never have any any value to it. So um, the guys in PPO that were really tight on their time, we would say just figure out how to get 45 minutes to an hour and you're not going to charge them for it. Just figure out how to make that happen. You charged them for the hygiene exam, but you're not going to charge them to come back. Then instead of having them back for a second visit, which is what I do in my practice where I actually sit down with them in the office and go over everything. You actually do that on zoom after hours. So you're not having to take away from time in the practice. And that, that means there's no stress on you about, am I going to get in trouble for having, you know, not a non-productive section of segment of time. Right. Right. So, so everyone agreed, we're going to find one person a month. We're going to find 45 minutes to an hour for that one person to go through the process of getting all the data gathered that we needed. And then we're going to, it, it would be ideal if we can get them back for another half hour to visit. But if not, we're going to actually do a Zoom call with them. And we're going to present a keynote or PowerPoint version of their photographs 
We're going to give them a tour of their mouth, show them all the things that are going on, and we're going to show them examples of other people like them that went through treatment. Now, if you don't have those cases, what we t I tell you is if you happen to have access to Spear Online, is you just cut and paste out of some of the stuff that you know Greg or Frank or myself has done and posted, and then you put it in your presentation. And eventually, if you take enough photographs and do enough cases, you'll have your own to fill in there. So. Once you've done that, then more than likely these cases are going to require orthodontics, periodontics. You make the referrals. Once again, you're doing it at home. And then as the patients come back, you can have another visit on Zoom. So you're, I'm asking all the people in the PPO that are strained on time and such to find one per person and give me 45 minutes to an hour per month to begin the process now, what do we find? What we found is it took a while. Um, they would do it, but it took a while to kind of get in the groove because there weren't, not everyone hit a home run the first time they presented a case. But eventually they would. It's like we would have a study club meeting and somebody say, hey, I, I finally got somebody to actually agree to go get the ortho evaluation, right? Eventually, they started the case going and eventually they got to do the dentistry and it was the most fun dentistry that they had ever had. I mean, they're doing stuff that they hadn't envisioned before, right? Now they're at the study club meeting going, okay, I'm doing 10 veneers. Now, how do I, how would you do this? And how would you do that? And we walk through the process as a group of how to go about doing the dentistry. And then they show us pictures and they show us the results and we, I mean, it's cool. Yeah. So, but if you just sit, if you don't ever begin the process, you'll never get there. You will always do the same thing. Yeah. I love it. Sure. Once you do one, your goal is then to do two, right? And then Yeah. You, you know, that's, that's the other thing that happened was really fun. Um, is we asked them also to involve their hygienist in making a decision as to who the person would be to give, to empower them to, to start asking questions and try to find the kind of patient that we're looking for. So they describe to the hygienist, here's the kind of patient, here's what we're looking here, here's what we want to do and, and empower them to find it for them. Yeah. And then they would, they would say, I think this is going to be the one. And, and, uh, love it. The dentist would walk in and make a decision. And the, the interesting thing was that once the, once they got on a roll and actually somebody, they could see the benefit now they were looking for like, Hey, I think this is one. No, well, we already did our one this month. Well, yeah, but this one's a really good one. You know, maybe this could be next month's, you know, yeah. we'll, but we'll, we'll just do it now. And so it does it, it, you gather momentum and then you start building off of that and start separating yourself. Photography, study club, making yourself known as that person is going to be the key to the whole thing. And as you grow, yeah, it's brilliant. I hope you guys are listening. That is a brilliant tip. I love it. And pet peeve number four, probably the most important one Dr. Jeff Rouse has, is that Buffalo <laughs> Bills fans think they're better than Chiefs fans. Now, no. you got to explain that one. That just drives no. you crazy. Why? <laughs> no, it's actually they think Josh Allen's better than Mahomes and mm. the, uh, that they're going to beat us in the playoffs this year. And I just... All I do is say to Bill fans, wide right and 13 seconds. So, <laughs> 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 we, 
wide right. They can't win a Super Bowl, and 13 seconds is what it took us to beat them last year. So, yeah, that's my pet peeve for the yeah. moment. Is <laughs> Have you been a, to a football game up there yet? I went to last year's Buffalo Bill Kansas City Chief playoff game. You yeah, were there. there. Yeah. There. Very nice. Yeah. Very Probably nice. the best football game maybe ever. Ever. That was an incredible football game. So, yeah, prediction yes. this year. What so, do you predict what do you predict this year? For the Super Bowl? Yeah. I it'll be Bills Chiefs. One of the two will get there. I don't, you know, it depends on probably who has home field advantage to be yeah. honest with you. Um, but I'll be at that game no matter where it is. So we'll see. Um, who will they play? I don't know. Green Bay's not, don't not looking so hot this year. <sighs> not looking so hot, man. We're going to, yeah. let's not get onto my pet peeves right now. We're talking about your pet peeves. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I, I can't imagine Philadelphia continuing though. They just don't look that good. So we'll see. Yeah. I think everyone's, they're all going to come back to the pack. The, mm. But I don't, I honestly don't think anybody can beat either Buffalo or Kansas City. Looks pretty in the NFC. Well, I mean, they look pretty yeah, amazing we'll right now. Yeah, awesome, buddy. This was phenomenal. Now, I want people. Um, I want you to talk more about like what you do. How do I get involved at Spear? Like what? And I also want you to speak to this. Like you're you're known as the airway guy. Like people think you don't do dentistry. Like you teach more than that. And you guys are making you're going to make an intentional effort to teach more than that. But if I want to go to Spear, if I want to see more of what you do, if I want to have you to my study club, which I don't think you do that much of that anymore. How do I get involved? Where do I start? And which course um, do I take? The place to start at Spear, um, you know, actually, I'm going to give you two different answers. There, um, COVID kind of hurt us in a way that we weren't having big seminars anymore. We would we would do the seminars online, and then the way that we would do the seminars online were kind of packaged, so you sort of had to do them all if you wanted to do them. You couldn't just do one off type of things. And that's now changed as of, um, I think the December, like second or third, something like that, um, is Thursday, Friday. Anyway, it's coming up the first week in weekend in December, they're actually having a live seminar again. So we'll have, we'll be back to the 300 people at Spear awesome. at, at, uh, in Scottsdale and we'll have, uh, we're going to have and around the country one sort of a traveling version that'll go out and then we'll have a few at spear along with the ones that are online. So we're going to have this mix now, um, that you can, but the cool part is you can get back out to spear. So you ask what to do. Art of treatment planning is the course in December. That would be, that's the course that I saw. Remember I said in 1996, I saw a course that Frank taught. That's the course. So that's the one I started with today. It's, taught by Frank Spear, Ricardo Matrani, and Greg Kinzer. So three people teaching the exact course that I saw that stimulated me to actually want to learn more. Uh, and that'll be at, at in Scottsdale. Um, but once again, what did I do when I saw Spear, Spear lecture? I said, okay, I got to learn more. And so I got really invested in coming to things that allowed me like more one-on-one and more time to focus. And at Spear, we call those workshops and there's a treatment planning workshop that's available also at Spear. Um, that's the one to start with. If 
you're going to go through our workshops and go through the spirit curriculum, that's the way to begin is, is start there. So in December, in December, if you wanted to just get a taste of it, you could see those three guys lecturing and doing the lecture that, that really um, promoted my interest in it. If you want to actually a deeper dive into it, then the workshops would be the way to go. And spiriteducation.com is the way you, you find it. And then they, on the website, it'll direct you to people that can answer questions and help you with further, um, say, registration or, or further information. Absolutely. And so better yet, if you're not taking notes while you're listening to this, don't worry. We're taking notes for you. You can flip up to the notes in Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify. doesn't matter. You're going to see the links to the courses Jeff just mentioned. You can just click on them. Just press the button. Nothing easier than just pressing the button. Take you right there. And so, uh, buddy, I'm so grateful. I always enjoy, I mean, I'm sad I don't get to see you as much anymore. I just might just show up in your office. And I know you'll probably kick me out, but like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I can't thank you enough for jumping on. So good to see you, brother. Always fun. Thanks, man. Appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely. See ya. Well, stick around while I say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed today, which I know you did, just do us a favor. Hit the share button. Share this with your friends. Keep sending us suggestions for things that you guys want to see. You're going to see I'm going to line it up. And we'll be bringing great stuff to you for months to come. So until we see you guys next time or you hear from us next time, keep watching or keep listening to the Best Practices Show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.